Hello, friends, and welcome to the Dimension of Our Midnight Cake, a weekly transmission from the Nexus of Realities. I'm Soltis, and joining me is my friend and brother and fellow transdimensional being, Banjo. Hi, I'm here to replace the uh, also uh, transdimensional being who lost his voice to the sea witch. <laughs> oh, poor beaches. <laughs> I, I hope he gets to feeling better soon. Um, and that he gets his Prince Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Usually in December, my friends and I will compile a list of fun movies that can be enjoyed around Christmas, but I wanted to talk about Andor before it got too far away from the season finale. That's a show that I believe is worth discussing. It sure surprised me and is a direction that I hope that Lucasfilm will continue to develop. Andor, also known as Star Wars Andor, is an American science fiction action-adventure television series created by Tony Gilroy for the streaming service Disney+. It is the fourth live-action series in the Star Wars franchise, as well as a prequel to both the spin-off film Rogue One from 2016 and the original Star Wars film from 1977. The series follows thief-turned-rebel spy Cassian Andor along the five years that lead to the events of the two above-mentioned films. Diego Luna reprises his role as Cassian Andor and also serves as an executive producer. The first season of Andor premiered on Disney Plus on September 21st, 2022, with three episodes to positive reviews from critics. The rest of the season's episodes were released weekly through November 23rd. A second season is currently being filmed in the UK, and it will conclude the series and lead into the events of Rogue One. If you enjoy our discussions and would like to contribute or get in contact with us, Consider visiting our website at OurMidnightCake.com, liking, subscribing, and sharing the transmission with your friends. Be sure to join us next week as we start our Christmas list with Gremlins, the 1984 American black comedy horror film directed by Joe Dante and written by Chris Columbus. I don't know about you. I was not expecting a great deal from this series, especially after the Kenobi series and the Book of Boba Fett. I was very frustrated with what was going on. It's about Andor, who was not a particularly great character from Rogue One. It just did not seem like it was going to be very much of anything. Also, they had straight AK-47s in their trailer. I know. So that. I was like, yeah, I was like, what is going on with this? Like everything, the Kalashnikov survives. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. It, it just works. So even, <laughs> even Space Rebellion, Space Rebels use it too. <laughs> but I loved Andor. I loved it from the first episode. I thought, ooh, this show is going to be good as long as it keeps on this trend line. And it did a lot to reverse sort of in my mind that you know, downward trend of Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Kenobi series, which I wanted to like both of those so much, right? I, I did mean, too. We've got, we've got so much invested in those characters. I think even more so after Clone Wars, like watching Clone Wars and being able to see Boba Fett as a, as a kid and, and seeing Obi-Wan younger, right? Being able to mm -hmm. sort of train Anakin and see basically how he's like one of the greatest Jedis to ever live, right? And then to have them sort of peter out in these really terrible series with Boba Rangers and a little whiny Princess Leia and like <laughs> him missing her twice in the market when he's trying to chase her, but he can't catch a little girl. Like, 
all these really dumb transitions, I guess, and, and plot lines and holes and just lack of any real, I don't know, motivation or stakes or interest by any of the characters into what eventually happens. It just seemed very forced and not entertaining at all. Not entertaining. That's, that's the underline, right? Yes. And, <laughs> and then to have a series which no one asked for end up being like the one of the best things I think that has ever come out of the Star Wars universe. So surprising. Yeah. People who have listened to my rants previous know <laughs> that I was I was not looking forward to the show at all. But dang it. It turned out to be really good. Disney just getting its claws back into you, hooking you back in. I am so happy that that there's something positive going on with this. It's yes. it's so much more enjoyable to talk about something that, you know, that, that I want other people to enjoy as much as I do. I don't blame anybody for not picking up Andor because of the aforementioned series and, mm -hmm. and what's been going on with Star Wars previously. I don't blame anybody for, you know, looking at it and thinking, eh, but it is much better than I think most people would expect and much better than most people currently give it credit. Yeah, I think that the response from self-professed non-Star Wars fans, people said, I've not really been interested in Star Wars before, but I like Andor. You know, all these people who weren't bought into the Star Wars universe originally, but they ended up watching Andor because someone said, hey, this is really good on its own. And it and it's true. It stands on its own as as a piece of art. It just happens to take place within the Star Wars universe and help propels, I think, this, it, it brings credibility to the Star Wars universe that there are still good stories out there that don't fall into the, you know, money, 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 give me money. We're just going <laughs> to... I was thinking of Jeff Goldblum in um, Jurassic Park, where he's like, and then you package it, and you sell it, and you, say, and you slap in the desk, you know, or yeah. the table. <laughs> and you patented it, and you packaged it, <laughs> and you yes, slapped yeah. it on a plastic lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're selling it. Now you're selling it. <laughs> yeah. um, that's exactly what I feel like they did with Book of Boba Fett, Obi Wan Kenobi. I read a review that talked about how Andor was able to escape sort of the serial of good guys put in a situation, people need help. He goes after a MacGuffin, ends up helping the people, and the series sort of wraps up. I actually think that The Mandalorian does a really good job of staying in that space. And I really like The Mandalorian's episodes. And I think that. Oh, The Mandalorian because, is a ton of fun. Because it's a space western. It reminds me of yeah. Gunsmoke. It reminds me of Bonanza. It reminds me of the Wild Wild West TV show where like good guy has to do things with, you know, funny little sidekick and like ends up saving people in various places at different times. And each thing is like a hop, skip and a jump to some sort of overarching storyline. And I think it works. I think the writing is good. I think that the storylines are good. I think the directing is good. I think it's a good show. Like you said, it's a lot of fun. But they needed something that was more serious. They needed something that was a different tone. And I like the fact that Star Wars can tell these stories. I really liked Rogue One because it took something that was, you, you knew what was going to happen at the end. You knew it wasn't <laughs> going to be a happy ending, but you were rooting for them. And you knew that the stakes were real, right? Even, even though you knew the ending. And I feel like Andor is kind of doing the same thing, which shows that Kenobi could have worked had they had better writing or had they considered how the plot should really play into it? Now, Andor is not a perfect series, but I think that it is definitely the most intelligent series to come out of Lucasfilm for Star Wars. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and probably one of the the most intelligent things to come out of Lucasfilm for Star Wars period. I agree. I've heard a lot of criticisms about Andor being, you know, not feeling like Star Wars, but I don't I don't subscribe to that. I think that it feels more like Star Wars than just about anything else since the original trilogy. I think that it feels a lot like an EU Star Wars story, which is something that Disney sorely needs. The writers do a clever job of using the characters that they have and that they've developed to both affect the world and effect the world and yes. the story. Where it, I, it doesn't have to revolve around the Skywalker saga. Not everything has to tie back to the Skywalkers and their soap opera of how they've <laughs> how they've ruined the galaxy. <laughs> the Space Kennedys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that Andor follows in a similar vein where the early seasons of Daredevil did that for the MCU. I remember watching the first season of oh, Daredevil. Yes. That's a that's a great I, comparison. And and I thought this is fantastic because it was like Hell's Kitchen, it's not even all of Manhattan. So like when you're thinking about Hell's Kitchen, it's just a neighborhood in in New York City and all of the action was happening within this neighborhood. Granted there were things taking place within the show that were outside of the neighborhood, but it was all about the battle for Hell's Kitchen. It wasn't you know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy time traveling through space to pick up Power Stone, sort of like stakes. You had how do we, how, how does, um, you know, Matt Murdock protect the people within Hell's Kitchen legally during the day and <laughs> with a super sweet stick at night, you know, like, <laughs> it, and, and it made for really good television, I think, because the writing was there, because the stakes were there, because, like you said, everything felt personal. And I get that with Andor. If I think back to, you know, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, there was a sense of desperation with the rebels, just like that the Empire was this giant force. The Empire was a threat. Totally. If the Empire functioned how Disney has portrayed them functioning, it would not last long enough for a rebellion to form against them. <laughs> well, and it's it's not scary, right? Like I think about... I think about Darth Vader as a kid. He was an incredibly scary figure. I can't even remember the name of the silver stormtrooper who like is a general or something and she dies in the second one or the third one of the latest Skywalker saga. Do you know what I'm talking about? She's like oh, a general. Yes. She also uh, Brianna of Tarth. Yes. Which I liked her in Game of Thrones, but her character was so pointless. Snope wasn't scary. He was creepy. He wasn't scary. Like, oh, and on and on the subject of Snoke, it is wonderful to have Andy Serkis in a great role in a great yes. Star Wars series. He did a fantastic job in that. I loved him in that. I loved that whole side storyline and plot. I think it was awesome. It was great to watch the turn. The whole philosophy behind that kind of prison where the prisoners will self-govern, it's a very real philosophy. And a very real in practice thing that takes place in, in the various prison systems. And it's it's interesting to watch that and then to see as the events unfold, how his character shifts from, I only have this much longer. I'm going to get out. I'm yeah. going to be, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make sure that, that I meet my quota, that my floor is the best <laughs> to, we got to get out of here because we're not any other way. <laughs> it's going to have to be us. And I think that's what made like, 
the stakes so high, you started to care about the situations that each of these people were in. And I think Daedra, I, I thought she was an incredibly compelling character. And I'm like, I would not want to be in this woman's way. You know, Tony Gilroy or who, whoever the writing crew was that sat down the brain trust in order to create this did an excellent job at giving you characters that you're not quite sure where they fit. You know, you, you like Luthen rides that line, right? Um, oh, Data rides, rides that he's, line. Where you're like, he's my favorite character. Oh, Luthen so is my favorite character. Second, close second is that giant alien. Uh, Cassian's friend who was hired to just stand there and be intimidating. <laughs> oh yeah. When they come to get the money from him. Yeah. He's like, why are you doing this? He's like, I don't know. I was told to be here. <laughs> yeah. I also think that their casting is phenomenal. There are a lot of excellent British actors with strong theater backgrounds that, that they cast. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the the actor who played the supervisor for the Corpo group. Who, who's basically like, don't do anything about this. This is a blessing. I'm going to go off to my thing. Just keep the lights on. And then the young guy screws it up for him and he gets yes. fired. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> just, just cannot be bothered with this kind of thing. <laughs> and he does such a good job with his part. He he completely steals the scenes from Karn, who is more important to the story. Yep. But you're but you're focused on the, on his supervisor, who's just a phenomenal actor. And then then they have I cannot remember any of their names off the top of my head. The lady who plays Andor's um Mom. Mother who kidnapped him, I guess. <laughs> It, it works. Yeah. <laughs> Love is funny. Yeah. <laughs> She's phenomenal still in Skarsgård. I mean, Diego Luna is fantastic as Andor. He just does such a good job, I think, making you oh. like him. He's a good character. He's He, I thought, was one of the weak parts of the show. Huh. Where I don't think that Diego Luna has a great range as an actor. And I don't believe that Cassian Andor as he is being portrayed, is a very compelling character. He does bind the story together, and he is the embodiment of the spirit of the rebellion that's waking up. But he is much more of a character who things happen to than who causes things to happen. And I'm I'm okay with that aspect of it. I thought that this, the way that they wrapped up the ending of the season was a little weak i thought that that showdown between him and luthan at the end could have been better and stronger it was almost like they were running out of time they're like we just gotta make it happen because we've got so much to fit in here um <laughs> but i thought that the arc as he starts to care more and more about the cause as he's going through i think he does a great job um, i i've liked him from you know contraband and narcos and rogue one and everything else that i've seen him in I think that the other character, like Mon Moth, is so good, right? Um, Luthen. Oh, that so actress good. is fantastic. Oh, she's so excellent. You can just, and those stakes, like her in this, you feel her position where she's bankrolling this rebellion. And she's the person who's sort of at the, you know, the, the closest to, to the emperor. And the heat that she's got, not only from, you know, the spies that are in her life, but also just like 
the sort of discontent that she has in her home life between her husband and her daughter. And she's got all these family problems that she's just sacrificing on the altar of hopefully this rebellion thing works out. And she just gets more and more into trouble. It seems like as the series goes on, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen to her um, next season. And how it works out with her family, because you know, at least from Rogue One and then the original trilogy, I imagine that it's going to end up being something like she will end up sacrificing her family for the cause. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's already could be very compelling. She, she's already doing that with her daughter, right? Like mm-hmm. agreeing to have this skeezy guy come bring in his son, you know, and sort of <laughs> be like, please continue to uh, bankroll my fraud so that <laughs> our little rebellion can withstand the empire. Which, yeah, when when she's accusing her husband of starting gambling again. Yes. And he seems to have no idea what she's talking about. I wondered, is she setting this up as a possible explanation for the lack of funds? I think in so. In case something and happens, <laughs> already throwing her husband under the bus. Totally. And that's, she had to do that in the car, right? Because that guy was over, the, the driver was listening into their conversation, even though he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And just how she sells it, right? Everything for the rebellion, just to push her husband and be like, okay, I'm just going to have to ream in, like, like what a place to be in as, as not only like a, a wife and mother, but also just like a human being, right? You have to mm-hmm. kind of offer up these people who are supposed to mean everything to you in order to hope that Luthen makes things work when you know that that guy's a maverick. <laughs> His interactions with Saw Guerrera are really oh, fun. So good. He, I mean, he must love doing that role. That's such a fun role. Oh, yeah. He's the guy making it happen, which is why I'm okay with Andor, at least in at least in the first series, being the person who things are happening to. I wonder if they're going to give him more, I will cause things to happen in season two. I don't know. I'm interested to see what that's like. I imagine he will be a more proactive character in, in season two. Andor is kind of swept up in this story because... Mm-hmm because of all these other people who are actually in positions to make things happen. I think that that's a good observation about that. And, uh, oh, like the sets and the, the environments. Oh, that yeah, the, the great brutalist yes. construction of the Empire. <laughs> and... Yes. It, this Andor was one of those shows, maybe next to Severance from Apple TV, where I thought like the sets and the environment did such a great job at setting the stakes of what was actually happening in the show where he is just like a cog in a machine as he's sitting there behind those computers. Oh, you know, that that, how miserable does that look? And it was, just, it was just like a sea of computers, right? Everything from the prison to even just like how beautiful Aldani was. I was watching it with my wife. She just said, I want to go there. Where is that place? <laughs> um, and that's, that's great because they're real locations. They're filmed in real locations as well as, you know, sound stages and things. But, you know, they're walking on actual ground outside instead of, Surrounded by by that super cool um, LED thing. Yeah, LED digital set creator that they made. I, I, I keep forgetting what it's called, but I think that's something that they also did very well. The color schemes that they had were just so cool and ferrix, right? Everything's this like burnt rust and yellow and blue, like hints of blue. And then you end up with yeah, you know, the jumpsuits. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, ju- the jumpsuits in the prison. And how everything's white and like I don't know, it's just super cool. I loved, I I loved how they really built environments, and that's what I feel like Star Wars did, right? If you think back to when we were kids, 
and you watch Star Wars and it took you places. It took you to different worlds in the galaxy, which you didn't, you didn't even know could exist, right? Like tattooing was just all desert and it had weird homes, right? And weird people and vapor farms and all these things that you were like, I don't even know what this does, but it's cool. I love it. And then you go to Hoth and it was just all ice and dig was all swamp. And like, it, it took you somewhere else, right? And I feel like Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Mandalorian haven't given, I think the Mandalorian has done the best job of this. And I think Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan did nothing for this, was like, give you something different. And I think that Andor has given us something different, which I really enjoy, of this continued to being able to like explore the galaxy beyond Tatooine. Yes, which was supposed to be an insignificant place in the galaxy. It's a great place for a hero to come from. Right. But it, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated every time they go back to Tatooine <laughs> with every single thing. It's like, I know there's more to this galaxy. It, it does nothing to build the world, the, the Star Wars world, by going Was Anakin from places. Tatooine? Anakin was from Tatooine, yes. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> and that's where they had the pod racing, right? That's where yep. they... Oh my gosh. And then, <laughs> and, and that's where he goes back to kill the sand people because yep. my mom, you know, he's screaming and he can kill tons of sand people, but he can't bring Obi-Wan through a thin strip of fire. I don't get it. <laughs> that seems, that seems BS to me. I call BS. <laughs> what a stupid series. Oh, so stupid. <laughs> What one of the things that I read in a review that really hit me that Andor did was that Andor had to not assume that it would have viewership, which I think is so incredible. This notion of earning the right to exist, right? It makes me think of like how um, Jerry Seinfeld will talk about comedians, where when they get on stage, they know if they're winning or if they're losing based upon the reaction of the audience. They, they oh, just yeah, can't. That, they get that immediate feedback. Right. And 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 Jerry will, in, car, in Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, will talk about how brutal that life is, where it doesn't matter if you think the joke is funny. If the audience doesn't think the joke is funny, you don't have a joke. And I think about that with these Star Wars series and the Marvel series, where it's like, let's just slap some characters together, do a lot of really cool 3D stuff, and put it out there, you know, into the universe, and we're going to make money off of it. They're telling bad jokes to an audience that is like, we don't want this. And I feel like Tony Gilroy got up and told a really good joke about Star Wars and got people to think about it and talk about it and want to and want to hear more of it. Right. Um, the, the, the notion that since no one was asking for a series about Cass and Andor, like you said, he was one character in Rogue One who who, you know, said, hey, I want to make a whole series about this guy. Right. It was Tony Gilroy. And he ended up doing a beautiful job because it had to have a story first and foremost. It couldn't rest on the laurels of, you know, big names like Obi-Wan or Bubba Fett or Jabba the Hutt or who, you know, mm -hmm. uh, any of the ancillary characters or um, places or events that happen within the Star Wars universe. It had to exist by itself. And I think that gave them the freedom to make all of these cool characters be really good and to think about how can we tell a story of someone who is on the line of good and bad, right? But now can 
prove himself and can get into this deeper in a way that sets it up for Rogue One. I think they did a great job with that, thinking about it in that way. We have to earn our audience. I love that. My favorite part, as far as a, a favorite moment, in a series of excellent moments, <laughs> was when Luthen, when he gets back to Coruscant and he and he's kind of getting back into his his public persona character. Mm-hmm. I, thought, oh, I thought that was so well done. He's getting you know his robes and his rings and all of his jewelry his and his hair yeah his, hair, his wig back on and then he he's practicing his his smile and his mannerisms yeah, it just, and it just morphs into a different character immediately mm-hmm. like oh what's going on here so good i was gonna say that i feel like my favorite parts are luthan parts because luthan has luthan has to be the salesperson for the rebellion right he's mm-hmm. got to convince the person that this is worth doing he does that with Saw multiple times, right? I like where he stands and he's like, why don't you just kill me? Be done with it, sort of thing. Like he calls Saw out. He caught, he puts Saw in the position where Saw then has to trust him or be done with him. Mm-hmm. He does the same thing with his mole in the... Yes. What an epic confrontation oh. between the two. And he's like, what are you giving up for this? And he lists all those things. He's basically I'm giving up everything, right? He, Luthen has no more life anymore. And he and he basically says that he's given up his soul. I think like he's just like mm-hmm. I'm, I am I am an inhuman person now. I have done all of these things that I have not wanted to do, that like no human would want to do, but I have to do them in order for this thing to succeed. The dual nature that he has is is very compelling. My other favorite moment was a small moment. I thought I loved how the writers or Tony or whoever was directing this set it up this way is when they finally break free of the doors of the prison and they're standing on the ledge and Andy Serkis is just screaming, I can't swim. I can't swim. And everybody's going past him, right? He, he got out, but he's not going to get out. Yeah. And then they just all go over, you know, because people push him over. I don't know. I just teared up at that thought of like, you, you just wanted to root for the guy. You wanted the guy to get out because he, that's all he wanted to do. Right. He wanted to follow the rules so that he could get out. They finally break out and he can't swim. It was just like a tender moment where you're just, you don't know if he dies or if he lives. I hope he lived. I'm sure he died. <laughs> you know, sort of one of those things. Yeah. And, um, and, and it makes me sad. Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our Midnight Cape. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug. Thank you. Good night. Beaches watched the entire series, said that he enjoyed it, that he really enjoyed it. And he would send out these little blurbs of each episode. Uh (laughs) I'd like to read Read them. Observations, episode one. Does this droid remind anyone else of Conky? <laughs> episode two. This guy, flexing those drumline skills. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> episode three. Not every dump has a stairs droid. Also, Marvel was in Super Mario Brothers. Episode four. I fell asleep. <laughs> episode four continued. Nothing says subterfuge like leaving safe cover to dramatically speak in code. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 5.
episode five. If I'm not able to purchase cereal puffs and turn my milk blue, then Disney isn't the merchandising behemoth I've come to expect. <laughs> totally. <laughs> episode six, a clandestine trek into enemy territory beneath an eye. I think I've heard this one. <laughs> episode seven, no arguing semantics with a seven foot droid. <laughs> episode eight, Keith plays the ultimate game of the floor is lava. Episode 9, slurp. <laughs> Episode 10, I feel you, Kino. No swim. <laughs> Episode 11, why does Cassian hang with all these sad droids? Those are supposed to make me laugh, damn it. <laughs> Episode 12, we don't talk about Canto Bite, unless we do. We did, but in a derisive tone, like, it's okay. Mon Mothma hates Canto Bite as much as you do. <laughs> oh, those are good. I wish we could have had him here. Uh, Darn sea witch, stealing his voice and all. <laughs> I give this series two thumbs up. Would definitely recommend to friends. And I have. Well done, everybody. Everybody who was a part of this should be proud of themselves. They've made something wonderful. Exactly. That deserves to exist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm bought in. I'm bought into this. You bought in my brother, which is like, like, um, would find any reason to hate on Disney right now. You you <laughs> attracted him and you got him. So good on you, everyone who participated in this show. 